Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Tuesday, wherever you may be across this great country or around this great land. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about the NFL Week 2. A reminder for everybody out there, Monday uh, is Outkick reacts to the college football weekend that was. Tuesday on this show, I react to the full weekend that was in the NFL. Um, and so that'll be the the sort of setup that we have throughout the season, with the possible exception of the end of the year when there are no college football games. I'll react to more NFL games on Monday, just FYI. So if you're a diehard NFL guy and you're like, what did Clay think about the games, all that stuff, this will be the lead uh, every single Tuesday during the fall that we are doing an outkick the show because we'll have every single game uh, to be able to react to by Tuesday, including last night, two Monday night football games. So uh, I want to start off here uh, with last night's Monday night football games. The Saints get to 2-0. and uh, Congratulations to New Orleans, a close win over the Panthers. I still believe that Bryce Young is going to be a solid uh, player, but right now the Saints have opened up uh, a 2-0 season with Derek Carr. That seems to be a decent transition that has gone so far, although they've got two close wins and the offense hasn't been that great. I thought the bigger story, though, was the Steelers getting the win over the Browns, including two defensive touchdowns. Deshaun Watson, two 15-yard penalties for grabbing face masks, which... I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember very often, and both times, by the way, he did it with his throwing hand, which seems very risky to decide to put your hand inside of a defensive player's helmet with a stiff arm and then grab control of it with your right throwing hand. Very strange behavior. The Steelers' defense, the offense was not very good. Steelers' defense found a way to win. And I wanted to hit you guys with this because I saw these numbers that were shared. And uh, this is from Roger Sherman, who writes uh, a lot about the NFL, I believe still for the ringer. Maybe he's at ESPN. I'm not sure where he is. So apologies for not knowing exactly where he is. But I wanted to make sure that I gave credit for these numbers. Out of 35 quarterbacks with 200 passing attempts, since the start of the 2022 season. Deshaun Watson, these are again from Roger Sherman, is 33 overall in yards per attempt, just below Carson Wentz. He's 33rd in passer rating, just below Davis Mills. Uh, He's 33rd overall uh, in any attempts. Uh, He is 34th in sack rate, 34th in completion percentage, and 30th in success rate. Again, that's out of 35 quarterbacks with at least 200 passing attempts. Deshaun Watson right now is an unmitigated disaster, and he's being paid as if he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, to be fair, 
He only has played, what did he play, six games last year, two games this year. He's coming up on a full half season of data. Maybe sitting out for that year and a half, the controversy surrounding the massage-related incidents, maybe he's still got a next level that he can get to. But out of 35 quarterbacks to be ranked 33rd, 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 34th, 34th, 30th in the most important statistical categories for a quarterback, the early returns of the Cleveland Browns deal that they signed with Deshaun Watson suggest that they may have, given what they spent, signed the worst quarterback deal in the history of the NFL. I believe that there is $250 million guaranteed to Deshaun Watson and he is 33rd, 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 34th, 34th, 30th out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks in, uh, in, in passing data since the start of the 2022 season. That is devastating. Um, and if I, am a, uh, if I am right now a Browns fan, I am super nervous about what's happening. And that's even before Nick Chubb were injured. Now the Browns don't have a reliable running threat. Uh, and a guy who's a really good receiver out of the backfield. Nick Chubb has had very tough injury issues in his career. And it appears uh, that he is going to be out for another season. So uh, that is what I would say about that game. Ravens got to 2-0 and against the Bengals. Since Joe Burrow signed this monster contract, the biggest contract in the history of the NFL, the Bengals' offense has been awful. Uh, they're sitting at 0-2 now. They started slow last year. So if you're a Bengals fan, you're sitting around, you're like, what's up with Jamar Chase? What's up with Joe Burrow? How is this offense performing at this level? You can take a breath and say, okay, they were really bad to start the season last year. They really got things rolling. They won whatever it was in a row, uh, and they were rolling into the playoffs. So maybe, maybe they're going to get the ship righted and perform better. A little bit ominous, though, to start off 0-2 in the division. Browns beat them, and now the Ravens beat them. It's tough to come back in your division when you're the last place team in the division after two weeks. Again, general numbers, if you start off 0-2, you have around a 10% chance to make the playoffs. So I would be a little bit concerned about that. Uh, the Bengals, uh, so, uh, so we'll see. The Bills bounced back from a devastating loss and poor performance against the Jets to absolutely stomp the Raiders 38-10. As bad as he was in week one, Josh Allen was stupendous in week two, 38-10 win. I still believe that the Bills are the best team in the AFC East. Yes, even better than the Dolphins, who we will talk about in a little bit. Raiders, so far, have been about what I would expect the Raiders to be, even with Jimmy Garoppolo, basically the same team. Um, you know, 500-ish team in a very difficult division. Bucks. I think you look at the Bucks right now, and you almost have to say, if you're talking about impressive teams through two weeks, when Tom Brady retired, coming off of a sub-500 season, I know they won the division, but it was a weak division, I don't think anybody would have accepted that expected that the Bucs would go and beat the Vikings in Minnesota and then also beat the Bears and be sitting at 2-0 and Baker Mayfield would look as good as he has. 
Uh, I think the Bucs have to be, through two weeks, the most impressive team relative to what the expectations for the team were like coming in. For the Bears, I think there is a lot of nervousness about Justin Fields and whether he truly is the quarterback of the future. He's holding the ball for a long time. Uh, the data on his performance, not good. Uh, and at some point, you start to say, okay, he's played enough games that he is what he's going to be. And if Justin Fields is what he is going to be, that's not a very good quarterback. That's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Bears have lost a bunch of games in a row. Uh, they have not performed very well. And to start off 0-2 this year, uh, I think the drumbeat on Justin Fields is not positive. Chiefs get the win over uh, the uh, Jags. By the way, we got both Monday night football games right last night. 5-3 and three gambling record in the NFL last week. Uh, helping to offset week ones, 1-5 uh, one uh, for the record. The Chiefs uh, in that game against the Jags, offense still not firing on all cylinders. Defense is playing well, however. I thought the Jags would get a win. Uh, to me, this was a circle the the date game. And Trevor Lawrence wasn't very good, right? Um, Trevor Lawrence has a high ceiling. Uh, sorry, a high, yeah, high ceiling. Still has a very low floor. And that's not what you want to see as we're now in year three, right, with Trevor Lawrence. I think I'm correct in that, the third season. You want that ceiling and floor to be closer so you have a consistent level of performance from him, and we're not seeing it. Seahawks, give him credit. Went on the road, won in overtime against the Lions. Uh, I thought I was wrong on this game. I thought the Lions were going to win it to get to 2-0. Uh, that is a great win for the Seahawks um, as they continue to not fall off under Pete Carroll. Geno Smith continues to outperform expectations. He did it all last year. He's doing it this year. Colts, uh, this is a bad loss for the Texans. To have the Colts come in, put up 31, uh, Gardner Minshew comes in to take over for Anthony Richardson, who gets a uh, concussion. Early returns on uh, Anthony Richardson, good. Uh, as you continue to look at C.J. Stroud, we'll see how he's going to pan out. I'm a little bit questionable about him. I really like Bryce Young. I liked the potential of Anthony Richardson because I, when I watched him play, when he played at an elite level, I saw him in person against Tennessee, he was incredible. And if you can get that elite level performance from him, he's a physical mismatch. He reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. For those of you out there who were like, okay, Anthony Richardson, who does he remind you of, Clay? Josh Allen. Big, strong, physical dude who has accuracy issues at time. But if you can fix the accuracy issues, he has a cannon for an arm and he is hard to bring down when he is moving around in the pocket. And that would be the analogy that I would draw if I'm the Colts fan and I'm thinking, okay, what's the ceiling for Anthony Richardson? I think he's Josh Allen-like. That's what I saw from him in college. Remember at Wyoming, all the issue with Josh Allen was, can he be consistent? Can he put the ball in the right place? Can he be accurate? They fixed him. They got Josh Allen rolling. Uh, Anthony Richardson, very young, very raw, very talented. He reminds me of Josh Allen. I've liked what I've seen so far out of him. Uh, Titans, I was at this game uh, in person. Uh, my now nine-year-old, my 13-year-old, it was their birthday. We took them. I was like, I'm not sure how good of a birthday this is going to be, boys. The Titans have lost eight games in a row. Uh, they're the underdog against the Chargers. Early in this game, they were down, I think, 11-3, to uh, and they basically had done nothing on the offensive side of the ball. Then, finally, Traylon Burks makes a play. 
Uh, great pass from Ryan Tannehill, who had a very good game. Look, Titans got to 1-1, one and one, got a win over what I think is a very good Chargers team. If you're the Chargers, I think you just look around and you say, we should be better than what we are every year. I like Justin Herbert. I like the talent on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I get they didn't have Austin Eckler, but you still got Keenan Allen. You still got Williams. Uh, you've got elite talent on the defensive side of the ball. Bosa is almost unblockable. And yet, it seems like you're always finding yourself losing close games. Lost a close game in week one. Lost a close game in week two. You're in that division with the Chiefs. You're now sitting at 0-2. Yes, the Chiefs are just 1-1, and and I get uh, that probably the Raiders are not that good and probably the Broncos are not that good, but guess what? You're not that great. Cardinals, I felt bad for my guy Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs played fantastically well for the Cardinals. I thought he was going to get his first career win. Instead, Giants come back from a 21-point deficit, win 31-28. Uh, I felt like the Giants were about to be the most disappointing team through two weeks of the season. We still got the injury to Saquon. We'll see how exactly that plays out. But this was a monster win for them to bounce back from a whipping in week one where they lose 40 to nothing to the Cowboys. Come back and you're down 21 nothing to come back and get that win 31-28. I think it's huge. 49ers, 2-0. Brock Purdy, if he's healthy, they're really good. Uh, I would argue, I think I argued this last year, Take away the quarterback position. The best roster in the NFL, offensive and defensive sides of the ball, is San Francisco 49ers. If Brock Purdy can perform at a high level, as he was able to do pre-injury, and as the 49ers certainly seem to believe he is going to be able to do when they trade Trey Lance and they move on from him and basically say Brock Purdy is our guy, they beat the Rams, they get to 2-0, they put up 30 points. I think they are the best roster outside of the quarterback position in the NFL, and if Brock Purdy performs at a high level, they're the best team in the NFC. Uh, the Commanders, surprising, 2-0. and Come back from a huge deficit against the Broncos, who now fall to 0-2. Russell Wilson, the offense looks better, but they give up 35. Ominous. Ominous in, uh, in Denver. Uh, for Washington, wow. Uh, I don't think anybody foresaw this move to get to them to 2-0. and uh, NFC East is a battleground. There's no doubt about that. Teams are now better. It used to be an awful division, a lot of accelerated uh, ability and talent. Um, to me, I think the Commanders at 2-0 and uh, are probably right up there with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the biggest surprises so far in the NFL through two weeks. Cowboys dominate. That's exactly what I thought they would do against the Jets. Never really in question. Uh, unfortunately for the Jets, it feels like as long as they are riding with Zach Wilson, they're an afterthought. And then uh, on Monday night, sorry, Sunday night, uh, the Dolphins get to 2-0 and with Tua. Interesting fact. Do you know who the MVP favorite is in all of the NFL right now? Tua Tagovailoa. Yes, uh, uh, we know that Tyreek Hill, and yes, we know that Jalen Waddell, best duo out there. 24 points on the road. The Patriots fall to 0-2. To me, Bill Belichick feels done. Uh, he doesn't seem to be sold on Mac Jones. Uh, Patriots got down early again. Uh, we're not able to uh, to mount a comeback. I think the Patriots, I told you this, uh, uh, maybe not now that the Jets are back to uh, having to use Zach Wilson, but I think the Patriots have a monster deficit compared to the Bills and compared to uh, the Dolphins in the AFC East. And the Jets hadn't had the injury to Aaron Rodgers. I think the Patriots would be the worst team in the AFC East. So there is my analysis through uh, week two of everybody in the NFL. 
reminder on Thursday, every Thursday this uh, week, uh, this season, I will have my NFL OutKick six-pack. Those are my six best bets. Again, we went uh, three and three on the six, added two winners last night, five and three this week. Last week, we were a disaster, one and five, uh, moving up closer to 500. The uh, college football gambling picks are up. You can go read those at OutKick. I will discuss those every Wednesday, uh, college football gambling discussion, every Thursday, NFL gambling discussion. I love to gamble on football. I know a lot of you that are watching and or listening feel the same way. Uh, So just giving you a roadmap uh, for where we are headed uh, during the course of football season here. All right, let's dive into, uh, I just gave you all my NFL reactions. Mel Tucker yesterday Right after we finished the show, news came out from Michigan State that they were going to fire Mel Tucker for cause. He then responded, Mel Tucker did, and I believe I have got his response flagged. Um, And and I think it is worth uh, discussing what Mel Tucker had to say. In fact, I want to read Mel Tucker's Tucker's comments personally um, because I do think this uh, is significant. Here's what Mel Tucker said, and I'm going to read pertinent parts. I'm disappointed but not surprised to learn that Michigan State intends to terminate my contract over Miss Tracy's improper public discourse, disclosure of the entire 1,200-page investigation file regarding her baseless complaint against me. Let's be clear. I don't believe Michigan State plans to fire me because I admitted to an entirely consensual private relationship with another adult who gave one presentation at Michigan State at my behest over two years ago. A cursory reading of the facts and timeline should cause any fair-minded person to conclude other motives are at play. Here's why. Michigan State knew about the information on which it supposedly relies to end my contract since at least March of 2023. Complaint was filed in December of 2022. Yet only after, again, I'm reading from Mel Tucker's comment, yet uh, uh, statement, yet only after Miss Tracy and potentially others leaked the confidential investigation report to the press did Michigan State suddenly decide this same information warrants termination. Michigan State is punishing me for Miss Tracy's leak, which violated Michigan State's rules regarding confidentiality of investigations. Michigan State cut off any semblance of interest in the truth or due process by terminating me weeks before the hearing. Um, and, uh, and this is significant um, uh, in terms of the timing because they haven't even had the full hearing yet. Uh, and they said that Michigan State, this is again according to Mel Tucker, has ignored his concerns about leaks. Uh, he demanded investigation into leaks. Uh, Michigan State never acknowledged the request, yet alone responded. Yet after Miss Tracy's attorney complained, uh, Michigan State hired an outside law firm. Remember, USA Today published this entire report, and they have had a relationship with Brenda Tracy before. I don't think it's crazy to think that Michigan State uh, leaked this. Um, and again, he says, I can only conclude Michigan State doesn't care about my rights, the truth, or future liability. Uh, Michigan State was supposedly going uh, with this miscarriage of justice, devastated me and my family. I find solace in knowing investigator concluded we were in a personal relationship. 
uh, that she, according to Mel Tucker, expressed consent to every facet of our relationship, and he says that basically he is going to sue. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion, but first, a momentary break. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Um, he doesn't believe he violated any school policy. Uh, and here's what I would say in general, okay? This is me reading that USA Today report and only analyzing facts that are not in dispute. They had 27 phone calls lasting an average of 30-plus minutes. How many of you with a woman that is not in your family and that not uh, that is not related to you or something like that have had 27 phone calls of over 30 minutes in length. That's a personal relationship. I'm sorry. The only thing that they have been able to point to that he did wrong was engage in phone sex in a 36-minute phone call after midnight. How many of you have been in a 36-minute phone call after midnight, and how can you retroactively change your consent to phone sex? There's no allegation of improper touching. There's no allegation of sexual assault. This is a complete railroading. He got set up. Here's what the evidence suggests happened. Mel Tucker uh, was interested in Brenda Tracy. Brenda Tracy was interested in Mel Tucker. They engaged in a consensual, uh, private relationship of some nature. As soon as Mel Tucker tried to cut this thing off, she went public with it to Michigan State in an effort to get him fired. She wanted a relation. Seems sounds to me like she wanted a relationship with him, and as soon as he decided he didn't want a relationship with her, she went out there and tried to end this relationship and end his ability to have a job, right? After he decided, I don't want to be in a relationship, she was looking for, she was vindictive, she was a woman scorned, and she went after him. That's what the data reflects, in my opinion, right now, okay? So, um, 27 phone calls, average length over 30 minutes, 36-minute phone call for, uh, for the phone sex. She claims she froze and couldn't hang up. I just, I think all of that's a lie, Okay. She spoke one time on the campus. She got paid a few thousand dollars. This idea that they were somehow 
uh, in a work relationship is not true. She was a vendor. She spoke one time. Do you know how many times I've spoken at a variety of different uh, events? I didn't have like an existing employment relationship with the places where I spoke. I was an independent contractor who was hired for one speaking engagement. I don't know what they paid her, probably more than she was worth, frankly. I don't ten thousand dollars, five thousand. I don't know what her speak speech rate is. I don't have any clue. For the record, I get paid fifty thousand dollars to speak. If I decide to go speak and I'm signing a contract, all right, you can think that's crazy. Um, if you're going to get me to travel, you're going to have to pay me a lot of money. I don't know what her going rate on speech is, but she's not an employee. Like this idea people have, well, he engaged in an inappropriate relationship with an employee. No, she's not an employee. She spoke one time at the university. Um, so this is, and, and I'm disappointed, frankly, in how few sports media figures will speak out on this. This is a joke. But again, I'm not saying what Mel Tucker did was without fault. But are you telling me that Michigan State is within their rights to terminate an $80 million contract because he engaged in consensual phone sex with someone he wasn't married to when evidently his own marriage was estranged? That is, there was not uh, an ongoing relationship there in a traditional marital sense. I just, I think it's a bad precedent. I think it's an awful precedent. The idea being that you're going to investigate every private relationship that your coach is engaged in, and if somebody decides retroactively they didn't like a phone call, that you're going to terminate an $80 million contract as a result of that? I just, again, if Michigan State decides they don't want him to be the coach anymore, I think that's a that's a bad standard to set, right? I think there's a huge percentage of college coaches that have engaged in uh, in affairs, whether you like that or not. The idea that your private relationships implicate whether you're allowed to be a college coach, it's crazy to me. Now, if he were accused of sexual assault, if he were accused of a crime of some nature, I would understand that in the context of the morals clause, but... How do you retroactively claim you didn't consent to a phone sex call? And how do you use that as justification to fire somebody? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and again, I'm, you know, the only person who's even willing to say this? Me. Maybe I'm wrong. Tag me if anybody else in the world of sports or media in general that has a big audience, has anybody else defended Mel Tucker? I haven't seen it. I would like to think there are others with substantial audiences. Like people are afraid. And I think this ties in with the Russell Brand story too. Look, I do, I, have, I do not know the details on the Russell Brand story. The idea that you can accuse somebody of sexual assault a decade after it happened, 15 years after it happened, and that immediately it's presumed to be true is crazy. I'm 44 years old. I've been married for almost 20 years. The idea that somebody could be like, hey, in 1998, Clay Travis raped me, and people would be like, oh, that sounds like it's serious? This is crazy talk. 
I th- my understanding is these Russell Brand stories are a decade plus old. This is craziness, okay? Um, and the idea that you immediately don't allow him to make a living anymore? I just, I, I don't know what the world we're living in is. And I, I feel like the Brett Kavanaugh hearing was so much a part of this. The idea that you would believe someone based on their sex. Okay, she's a woman, hashtag believe all women or whatever it is, hashtag me too. Lady Justice is blind for a reason. Women lie. Men lie. White people lie. Black people lie. Asian people lie. Hispanic people lie. Gay people lie. Straight people lie. You can't use someone's identity as a proxy for whether they are telling the truth. This is why Lady Justice is blind. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills on these stories. Okay? Again, let me repeat. White people lie. Black people lie. Uh, Hispanic people lie. Asian people lie. Native American people lie. People who have different racial backgrounds all mixed in together, they lie. Men lie. Women lie. Uh, Gay people lie. Straight people lie. Trans people lie. Everybody lies. There is no identity that is uniquely the province of truth. What we are doing right now is engaging in the same flawed logic that used to characterize the Jim Crow South. Go back and read To Kill a Mockingbird, all right? Do you know what the premise of To Kill a Mockingbird was? Mayella Ewell, the white woman, told the truth because she's a white woman. Tom Robinson, the black guy, wasn't telling the truth because he was a black man. The entire premise of To Kill a Mockingbird rejects the idea of identity politics. That is why it is a classic of the American literary canon. Go back and read it. It is a refutation of the idea of identity politics, which characterized the life in the Jim Crow South, which was predicated on the idea that white people told the truth and black people lied. And by the way, an all-white jury was the determiner of that fact. Atticus Finch defended Tom Robinson, and all the evidence reflected that the black man was not guilty, and in fact, the white woman was a liar. The entire purpose of the book was to reject identity politics. We are now refuting the concept of To Kill a Mockingbird and reintroducing the idea of identity politics into our courtroom and into our national consciousness where now you're supposed to look at the identity and make a decision based on what the truth is. Not based on the facts, which are undisputed and in evidence, but based on the identity of the individuals involved. That's wrong. That's the antithesis of a fair justice system. Again, it's a rejection of Lady Justice herself who is blind because we shouldn't be considering the people. We should be analyzing the facts. And when I look at the Mel Tucker thing, the reason why he's getting fired is because 
No one will call out the woman here who I believe is lying. That's what the evidence supports. And she's lying and costing Mel Tucker his job. And it's all based on identity politics. The reason why Russell Brand is getting railroaded, identity politics. We're just saying not let's look at the evidence. We're saying let's consider the identity of the people who are telling the stories and the identity of the story we respect and and endorse the most is the one that's telling the truth. And that is everything that I'm opposed to. And that's why you got to stand on principle. And people get fired up, but I pretty much always stand on principle. And this is why I'm fired up about this other story here. Howard Stern is offended by Lauren Boebert, the dress that she wore. He spends a bunch of time saying, oh my God, she wore a titty dress. First of all, Howard Stern, you made a living putting hot chicks on the radio and having them make out. You were the definition of a guy who got influenced by a titty dress 25 years ago. If you saw Lauren Boebert in that dress, you would have said, damn, she should be the governor of Colorado. Why is she only a representative? She should be the speaker of the house. She shouldn't just be a congressman. Did you see her in that dress? That's what Howard Stern would have said. Now, he's saying he's offended because she made out with somebody on a date? I just, I look at so much of this, and I think Howard Stern is perfectly emblematic of things. This is a guy who was a rebel. He was willing to push boundaries. He was willing to take risks. And now he wants there to be lockdowns and everybody to have to wear masks and he's afraid to go to restaurants. And he thinks that a girl in a hot dress on a date who's making out with somebody isn't qualified to be a congressperson anymore? I mean, this is the same... Look, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I'm consistent here. And you go back and read all of my stuff for 20 years. Whether it's Bobby Petrino uh, with the neck brace and the, the hot blonde chick he was banging. Uh, whether it's Bill Clinton getting blowjobs from interns. Still Mel Tucker. Like, whatever he's doing in his private... I don't care about anybody's private lives. Okay? I would rather Bill Clinton get screwed by an intern than Joe Biden screw the entire nation. I feel like I'm one of the only people that still has this perspective. I've been the same for 20 years. I only care about your ability to get a job done. If you told me right now that there was a head coach that I could pay to hire of the University of Tennessee and that he was going to win 80% of his games for the next 10 years, but that he was going to have so many side chicks that it was going to be like he was going to need like one of those big uh, you know party buses to drive them all around. One of the things down in Nashville where everybody, all the, the hootenanny girls, you know, the girls who were all uh, in the back of the, uh, of, the, of the vans, like on their bridal uh, parties, like screaming and hollering while they all get drunk, like all that stuff, right? The hoedowns. If you told me that I had to do that, I had to hire a carload of uh, sorority girls or party girls on the bus to entertain a University of Tennessee coach, but he was going to win 80-plus percent of his games in the SEC, I would pay for that for the next 20 years. 
Because as long as he's not breaking the law, I don't care what he does in his private life. I just want to win. Just win, baby. It's what Al Davis said. That's what Clay Travis says. All right? And if you told me, hey, this politician's really good, you know, let's go back Bill Clinton in the 90s. I think Bill Clinton was an incredible president. He said, hey, Bill Clinton, like someone can be president, he might screw an intern, but he's going to balance the budget. The economy is going to be an absolute rocket ship. There are not going to be any wars. Murder rates are going to go down. We're going to put violent people in prison. I'd be like, sign me up. How many people need to blow the president to get back to a balanced budget, uh, to get back to, uh, to, to crime at historic lows, to get back to a secure border, to get back to no war, to get back to uh, you and me not having rampant inflation. You tell me how many blowjobs the president needs to get, I will sign up for it. I just don't care. But the idea that we're going to be investigating private lives, I'm just, again, I'm consistent on this. I think it's crazy. And the idea that in addition to investigating private lives, consensual in nature, that aren't crimes, we're going to decide who is punished and who isn't based on the identity of the involved, just wrong. And again, go back through 20 years of me in a public life, 19 years. I started writing online in 2004. I'm consistent. The criticism people get wrong about me is they say, oh, Clay Travis has changed. Like he at least, No. The reality is the country has gone insane. I still believe the exact same things I do 19 years ago. The criticism of me is like I'm a dinosaur. I'm an old man who doesn't evolve. I decided what I thought was right in like 1998. And I haven't changed since. 25 years later, the rest of the country's gone crazy. The things that, go read this book. The things, the first public thing that I was ever published about was arguing against policing speech codes. In 1997, in the friggin' GW Hatchet uh, newspaper. I'm like the only person out there who was anti-impeachment of Bill Clinton and also believed that Brett Kavanaugh needed to sit on the Supreme Court because there is a logic and principle at play in my opinions that isn't dictated based on political party or the identity politics of the individuals involved. Everybody else has gone crazy. I'm like the last person sitting around here saying, Dion, the ratings on Dion are through the roof. People say, I don't know why you keep talking about Dion. I don't know why you guys keep writing about Dion. Because everybody cares. Monster audience after midnight for Dion Sanders and the Colorado-Colorado State game. Here's some data for you. And I saw this and I was like, wow. You want to know, people are like, I don't know why you keep talking about uh, about this story. Like, why do you care? Why does Dion, um, this is pretty great, all right? The data reflects that people overwhelmingly in the SEC are obsessed with Dion. This is after midnight. Number one market for ESPN late night, Colorado, Colorado State game, Denver. Okay. I see people out there like, why would Denver watch? Well, both teams are playing Colorado versus Colorado State. That's a big rivalry game. It's also mountain time zone. It's not as late there. Listen to the rest of these top markets. 
Birmingham, New Orleans, Knoxville, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Memphis, Greenville, South Carolina, Atlanta, Richmond, Nashville, San Antonio. Almost everybody watching Colorado, Colorado State was in the Eastern or Central time zone. Jacksonville, Florida, Columbus, Ohio, Austin, Texas, Louisville, Kentucky, Dayton, Ohio, Norfolk, Charlotte. Now, these are probably big college football markets overall, but huge numbers of you in the Central and Eastern time zones were up late night, like I was, watching Colorado, Colorado State. Deion Sanders makes people watch. Just saying. Numbers don't lie. Has the media helped to build the Dion phenomenon? Yes. Will the media likely help to tear down Dion when the losses to, I believe, Oregon and USC happen the next two weeks? Yes. I think that's likely. But Colorado has turned into one of the most watched teams in America because of Deion Sanders. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think, I think there are likely to be a ton of different big programs out there seeing the Deion effect. There are going to be a lot of schools, I think, that make a run at Deion Sanders in the next couple of years. And maybe the NFL does too. Uh, although I think the NFL doesn't need eyeballs and attention in the same way college football it does. And I will say this, the biggest aspect of Dion, the most impactful aspect of Dion Sanders is going to be his ability to bring in new uh, uh, talent through the transfer portal. I don't know how he's going to recruit at Colorado. It takes a while to develop freshmen, typically, and sophomores into elite-level players. But I think in the short term, he's going to bring in a lot of talent. Um, all right, I wanted to hit you with this too uh, because I saw this over the weekend um, and uh, and I was kind of blown away by it. NBC News, not surprised because uh, obviously this is something I would have said for some time. I'm reading directly from an NBC News uh, uh, segment. Doctors say they're finding it increasingly difficult to distinguish COVID from allergies or the common cold even as hospitalizations tick up. Again, I'm reading from an NBC News tweet. Doctors say they're finding it increasingly difficult to distinguish COVID from allergies or the common cold, even as hospitalizations tick up. Now, hospitalizations tick up because in the fall and winter, people get sicker. This is the way viruses have worked throughout human history. People are inside more. Viruses spread more. Uh, this is like common sense. But remember when initially you couldn't compare COVID to the flu? If you compare COVID to the flu, people would lose their mind. That happened to me a few times. Said, yeah, it's like the flu. People lost their minds. Now NBC News is saying that you can't even tell the difference between allergies, the common cold, and COVID. Remind reminder, adjusted for inflation, we spent more money on COVID than we did to win World War II. Crazy stat, important. Adjusted for inflation, we spent more money fighting COVID than we did the Nazis and the Japanese in World War II. Worst 
public policy failure of my life and probably in modern American history. Modern American history, I would say, extends the last 50 years or so. I think this is worse than Vietnam, certainly the worst of the 21st century, the worst of my life, and I was born in 1979. The only people who lost their jobs over COVID were the ones who refused to get the COVID shot. No one else. Think about that. Not one politician in America who failed on our COVID response has lost their job. That's actually the threat to democracy if there are no consequences. Finally, my good buddy Mark Cuban, and he hasn't responded so far that I have seen, Mark Cuban in the late summer of 2021 refused to be interviewed by a journalist who wouldn't get the COVID shot. Has Mark Cuban apologized for being wrong? Has he discussed how many COVID shots he got? Again, the loudest and most strident voices telling you, remember the White House saying it was going to be a winter of death? Have any of those people come out and said, you know what, I apologize, I was wrong. Mark Cuban wouldn't even sit down for an interview with a reporter because she refused to get the COVID shot. He publicly refused to sit down with her. How many shots has he gotten? How many times has he gotten COVID? Has he apologized to her? Open questions. I haven't seen Mark Cuban answer them anywhere. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I am off to a seventh grade football team. I am scheduled to be on with Jesse Waters tonight. I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, this has been OutKick, the show.